Amen. Amen. Praise God for you. Thank you, Steve, for your gift. Thank you, Ari, Elijah, Pam. Oh, good morning, Bethany. Yeah, I startled you with that, I know. I don't say that every week. Good morning. How you doing? Good. Good, good. Because you look good. You do. Uh, My name's Tom. Uh, Let's pray and we'll get right to work. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the wonderful worship. Um, Thank you for your people. Lord, we ask that eyes be open, that that hearts be open, that, that ears be open, Lord, and that you would speak, that you would reveal yourself, and that lives would be changed. Lord, we pray against the enemy, his uh, servants, their works, and effects, that they'd be far from this place in the power of your name. We pay, pray for your Holy Spirit, that it would fall upon us, well up within us. And Lord, uh, I ask you to forgive me my sins, and I wish they were not so many, and glorify your name during this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The pitter-patter of little and not-so-little feet are the children leaving for Children's Church if you were a child between the ages of three and fifth grade and want to have an awesome time. You, you want to follow that awesome guy, Cliff Shanklin, up the stairs. We've got great things planned for you. That's great. Glad to have you with us. Um, if you would, take your Bibles, open them to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. This is the series on Acts. Why is he having us open to John? This must be heresy. No, it's not. We are still in the series on Acts. This is a related verse. I promise you we will start in Acts. We're going to go over there, but you're going to have to take my word for it. This morning, lots of scripture, lots of scripture, because we're going to make, there's one point, there's one point today, but it is all throughout the Bible. So uh, we're going to be touching on, visiting uh, a lot of scripture in the Old Testament, in the New. I ask you to take some notes, just write down the verses Look them up for yourselves, pray over them, let them, let them sink in and, and really have their full effect. So we're going to move quickly, and it's important that you stay with us because uh, if we grasp this truth, it really, it, it'll change your life and mine. It's going to be great. Um, I want to talk with you a minute about sense of direction, about sense of direction. Now, uh, Shree, my wife, has an awesome sense of direction. You probably know people who are like this. Uh, she has what seems to be the spiritual gift of locating Target stores. Um, no, I, I, I'm not kidding. Uh, you can put her in a strange city with a blindfold on, take her out, spin her around five times. Without taking the blindfold off, she can identify the Target stores within a 10-mile radius just by pointing. I have seen her do it. We drive. We're in a new city. She's driving around. And, and like something like her spider sense starts to tingle or something. She says, it feels like there should be a target near here. <laughs> and there is. Within five minutes, I'm like sitting there in the parking lot, shaking my head, handing her the debit card. That's, I only get that feeling for ice cream, like when it's in the vicinity. She got target stores. I don't have a very good sense of direction. I can't even figure out what entrance I parked outside the mall. You know, what was the last product I saw? Was it women's underwear, men's shoes? You know, it was... I travel a lot with my job at at Western. We go to different cities um, to visit donors and things like that. And uh, several years ago, with the last president who was there, we were going to have dinner in Los Angeles. We'd been there a couple of times. And uh, we had a late dinner. 
uh, with a donor, and it was finishing up on one side of the city, and we, our hotel was on the other side. Um, so we had directions from the guy we just finished dinner with. We had a map, and we had a GPS. But we thought we had it all dialed in, so we turned off the annoying lady on the dashboard, and we folded up the map, and as we were following his directions, we thought we had identified a shortcut. What we found, however, was probably the sketchiest neighborhood uh, in the country. Uh, There was a gang that was there. We were in the projects. Apparently their uniform was belted jeans around mid-thigh, and they were were doing things. Uh, There was a man in a baby stroller shooting up. Uh, There were two prostitutes pulling each other's hair, and people were cheering for one or the other. And we didn't fit in. And this was not the neighborhood that we were looking for. Uh, So there was a stoplight and there was a a police car there. We pulled up next to him and and we rolled down the window and we made that motion for him to roll down his window. Although nobody has these things anymore. You still do that. And he did. And and, and he sees these two guys that are are middle-aged or older in suits. And, and we say, excuse me, officer, we seem to be lost. And he says, no, sh- I'm joking. No joking is what he said. And uh, he said, you need to follow me, stay on my bumper. He asked where our hotel was. He says, I'm going to lead you to the interstate. I'm not stopping for stoplights. I'm not stopping for stop signs. You guys need to get out of here. (laughs) And so we did. And we got home, and there was like an exhilaration when you get back to the hotel. Like, we so almost got our lives snuffed out, you know? And so that's kind of thrilling on one level for a little bit. And we need directions. It's not as important when we're trying to locate a Target store or trying to get on the right side of the city to get back to our hotel. But what happens when we need directions for life? Where are we going? Where are we going? I mean, all we see is, is what we've been through, and that's kind of hazy. Where we are... And sometimes we can't even get a picture of that and where we're supposed to go. And, and we've got a lot of whacked out ways to find that direction. So this is all about sense of direction. And I, I want us all that not to be on this red uh, construction paper path. This is meant to, to symbolize the Jesus road. And I want all of us to get on the Jesus road. And, and it's throughout scripture. We're going to take a look at that. Because last week, we're in, we're in sort of a, a two-part series. Last week, we talked about one way. Jesus is the one way. That, uh, because we got that from Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. I told you, we go there. Um, I want you to remember that Peter is talking with the temple leaders, all the people who had Jesus beaten, had Jesus crucified. And in verse 12 of chapter 4, he says this to them. And there is, let's read this together. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 
He's talking about the name of Jesus. And it's a very bold thing. He ramps up the risk. He's going to say the most unpopular thing to the crowd that wants to hear it the least. Because it's truth. And then we took a look at the verse in, in, in John chapter uh, 14. It was John 14, 6. Because Jesus had said this. Let's pull up John 14, 6. And that's where we're going to camp out. That's where we're going to spend most of our time. Jesus said to him, let's read this together. I am the way and the truth. These are single syllable words. Very easy. Very easy. Let's say with conviction, okay? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. And so last week, what we did was we took Peter's words in Acts, we overlaid them with Jesus' words in John 14, right here, and we talked mostly about Jesus being the truth. If you were with us, you remember, we talked about Jesus being the objective, absolute truth. And the tough thing about us living in a postmodern world is that we don't like, we're not accustomed to, we don't have an appetite for absolute truth. That doesn't depend on how we feel or how we don't feel. We have decisions. We have questions that are M&M questions, if you remember. And we have questions that are favorite color questions. If you missed it, it'll make a lot more sense to you, to you if you listen to the podcast. But there is absolute truth. So we talked about the fact that Jesus said he was the truth to this claim. This week, we want to we complement that with Jesus saying he is the way. He is the way. It's all throughout Scripture, and it's wonderful. It's beautiful, and it's powerful. I want us to grasp onto it. Last week was the truth. This week is the way. If you're ready, let's go. The way, the Jesus road, as we'll call it, is all based on this. It all stems from this. This one way, this Jesus road, leads to every good thing God has for you in your life. This path, which is symbolized right here, represents every good thing God has, has willed, has planned, has desired for you in your life. This path, So ultimately, why Jesus wants us, why he insists on the one way, staying on the Jesus road, is that so he can bless you fully. So that he can bless you fully with himself. Now, I'm not going to go all, um, who's that, Joel Osteen on you, and say life is going to be a bowl of cherries and there's a promotion in it for everybody. There's not. But there is glory and wonderful things. We're going to take a look at it. Everything, your past, your present, your future, your current spouse, your future spouse, your job, your finances, everything that God has planned for you is planted along the Jesus road. So it's important for us that he bless us fully for us to stay on that. That's why he wants us on that. Got that? Okay, it's not so he can keep reins on us. It's not so he can keep blessing from us. It's so that we can get under the waterfall of his blessing, okay? And not settle for the sprinkle. Okay, so he can bless you fully. Let's take a look. Let's go back to John 14. Let's take a look at the context of what Jesus is saying here. Let's pick it up in verse 1. 14.1. He's talking with his disciples. He's preparing them for him to die, to go away. He says this. 
Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. So would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Rather. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to where? To myself. That's the prize, okay? That's the prize. Take us to himself. That where I am, you may be also, and you will know the way where I am going. And Thomas, the dumb one I got named after, says to him, Lord, do we not know? Lord, we do not know the way you are going. How can we know the way? We're talking about the way. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. So the apostles are panicking. Why are they panicking? Because they need directions. And they're men. And men don't ask for directions. And this is not directions to a target. This is not directions back to their hotel. This is direction for the rest of their lives and for all eternity. You see, they're afraid that they're going to ask for directions and they're going to hear at the end of that the four words that are most frightening when you get directions that almost guarantee that you're going to get lost. Do you know what those four words are? You can't miss it. (laughs) Oh, Lord, if anybody ever says to you after giving you directions, you can't miss it. They have just guaranteed that you're going to miss it. Not only that, but you're going to feel like more of a dork because apparently no one with a brain has ever in the history of the world missed it. They need this information. They need this information. For the last three years, all they had to do was follow Jesus. They didn't have to ask, where do we go? What do we follow me? Okay. Now he's going away. Now he's going away. And he says, what? I am the way. Plans the same. Jesus is here. Holy Spirit is here. Plans the same. He is the way. Now, how would they have understood this? How would they have understood I am the way? Now, we sometimes go back into the Greek, which is the original language that the New Testament was written in. The reason we do that is not to show off um, or we have expensive books that tell us these things. But because the Greek language in which the New Testament was written is so rich, it is so descriptive that it often can, can bring a fuller meaning to what Jesus was saying, what his people were hearing. So we're going to do that. The, what we're going to do is take a look at the way. What is, this, what is this word, the way? In the Greek, it is hodos, H-O-D-O-S. And that's what it means, but it's so rich. It has three meanings, and all of them are consistent with what Jesus was saying. I think if we, if we dial this in, it's really going to help us appreciate him saying, I am the way. The first meaning is that it is a road. It is the Jesus road, okay? He is saying, I am the very road. I am the destination, too. It is a road that leads to a destination. Listen, let's get this straight. Heaven is only our destination because that's where Jesus is. Okay? There's a lot of people who want to go there because of the golden streets and the pool and the thing and all the blessings. Look, heaven is only our destination because that's where our Jesus is. If Jesus lived in Mississippi... Mississippi would be our destination. 
Although in my understanding of God, I can't understand why you'd want to live in Mississippi. Okay. Apologies to you if you love that place. Number two, it is not only the road and the destination, it is the journey itself. It is, it is the traveling of that road. The people say the destination doesn't matter. It's all along the journey. Well, Jesus would, would partially believe them because he is not only the road. He is not only the destination. He is the journey on that road. He's saying, I am the way. I am the road you walk on. I'm the destination you're headed for. And I am the process of bringing you there. And the third, the third reason is the course of conduct. A new way of thinking. A new way of loving. A new way of living. A new way of doing friendship. A new way of doing family. A new way of doing finances. Everything. He is the way that we walk or the way that we drive. We're going to mix metaphors here. And you just stay with me. He is the road. He is the destination. He is the journey. And he is the way of the conduct. That's all what he's saying here. I am the way. And the way was so important, was so important. I want you, I want you to take some notes. I want you to write down some scriptures. What is this way going to be like? Psalm 1611. They knew this. The apostles knew this. Psalm 1611. The scripture says, you will make known to me the path of life, your path, your road. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We stay on the Jesus road. In the presence of God, there is joy. There is fullness of joy. Now, it's important for us to dial that in. We need to stay on the Jesus road if we want fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Now, this is now one of my favorite authors describes himself as a Christian hedonist. It's wonderful. He says, we don't seek joy. It's not that we seek it too much. It's that we're too easily satisfied. We stop with what the world has to offer. Cheap thrills, man. How about lasting supernatural joy? It's found on the Jesus road. Jeremiah 29, 11 talks about that path and the plans that God has for us. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This is speaking to you. Take it in. Let it find its root in your heart. Plans for your welfare and not for evil. Plans to give you hope and a future The NIV says plans to bless you and not to curse you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's along the Jesus road. Why does he want us there? It's mercy. It's love. It's grace. It's not confining. It is where freedom is found. Those are the plans he has for us. Every good thing God has planned for your life is along this road. And he wants you on it because he loves you. Now, the way, as we talked about, I want to revisit that for just a second. So important to the early church. In fact, the early church was described as the way several times. Acts 9.2. You know, Saul, who became Paul, was persecuting the church. And in Acts 9.2, it says that he talked to the high priest. He went to the high priest. And verse 2, he asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the what? The way, men or women, he might bring them uh, bound to Jerusalem. The early church was known in certain circles as the way. Now, do we have any 
Any uh, folks from the Way Camp or the Way International with us? Okay. No? Okay. Look, that's different. That's different. Don't drink that Kool-Aid. It's different. If you're on the podcast, visit us. Uh, we'll explain more. But the church was known as the way. You can also see that in Acts 24, 14. You can look that up on your own time. Given that every good thing is along this path, wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think that you and I and everybody else would choose this? You would. You would think so, but not so much. Isaiah 53, 6 says this. Here's, here's what we've done. How many of us? All. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned, how many of us? Everyone to his own way. We got paths all over the place. We got as many paths as there are people. That turn, that's a wrong turn. That's the wrong turn right there. And, and here's the good news. The Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Through Jesus, we got an entrance ramp back onto the Jesus road. No matter how dumb, you know what sheep do? They get their heads down there eating the, eating the grass. And they see that grass, that looks a little good. And that grass, and they're eating that. And then I could eat all day. And I just keep wandering. And all the sheep are just chasing the best grass. And pretty soon, some of them are in ditches. Some of them are eaten by coyote. Some of them walked off a cliff. You know, everybody's going every way. We've all done that. We've all taken wrong turns. And that doesn't sound too bad until we get to Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. We haven't only taken a wrong turn. We've taken wrong turns that are dead ends, literally. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way, there is a road that seems right to us. Seems like a right, good idea at the time. There is a road, that, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And that's scary since I'm, I'm prone to taking wrong turns. It's death to my relationships. It's death to my joy. It's death to my family. It's death to my future. It's death to my life both now and eternally. I'm prone to that, to taking a wrong turn, it being the cul-de-sac that leads to death. It's a dead end. There are no cul-de-sacs on the Jesus road. So if you find yourself going around in circles, you're on the wrong road. Okay? All right. Whether you're in the kingdom or not, Half the church likes to find a comfortable place on the road and just go around in circles, repeat the same experience over and over and over again. It goes on, it goes on, and it continues to lead us. Okay, getting to the Jesus road. I want you to say this with me. This is following Jesus on the Jesus road is the ultimate road trip. This has led me this way of my finding death when I mean to find life, my choosing a path of my own and it not leading where I thought it was, lead me to four deep spiritual truths. These are very deep and I want you to, I want you to stay with me. Okay, here, they all build on each other very quickly. Number one, deep spiritual truth. I wrestled hard with this one. Here's what I came up with. Number one, Jesus is smarter than I am. Number two, Deep spiritual truth. Jesus loves me even more than I love me. And that's a lot, unfortunately. Number three, Jesus' plans for me are better than my plans for me. Because my plans are taking the wrong turn that ends in death. 
You see, all these other places end in that black spot. It's very deep. This symbolism here is just deep. So afterward, feel free to walk around and just, just let the construction paper blow your mind. <laughs> deep spiritual truth number four. The best plan for me is to follow Jesus. And, and, and we get the best map. We get the best map, the word. We get the best guy, Jesus riding shotgun. If, if you're that, uh, who's that lady sings, Jesus, take the wheel, you can let him drive. That's great. You got a GPS. You got a GPS. It's the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 30, 21. He says this, and your ears, get this, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Oh, it's great when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Stay on the Jesus road. And the thing is, we not only have the best map, we not only have the best GPS, we not only have the best person riding shotgun, but we're going together, man. If you blow out a tire, you got a family of faith walking this road with you. You choose your own path, you're on your own, baby. But we are here for each other. When we can't make it, when we don't have the strength, when we don't have the resources, we live for each other. That's what being the body is about. Marlene gave us a great opportunity to be that for one another. She uh, lost her husband several years ago. She didn't lose him, he died. That makes her a widow. And the Bible says that the church is the husband to the widow. We asked for four more thousand dollars last week to help Marlene out. We received ten. That's beautiful. Over $30,000 have come in to help this woman and her business and because we love her. And you know what? We love you. We're walking this road. Somebody has a blowout. That's our blowout. And we got to learn how to do that better. But Marlene wanted to, wanted to say a few words about what that's been like. Come on, come on. Everybody loves you. God bless you. All right, we're walking this road together. We give him the glory. It's all about him. It's not about us. But when you walk, you got a caravan. You got a caravan. And sometimes we're too willing to hop off that. Okay, now, I want you to say this with me. We're going to talk about what this road looks like. The message is this, the whole thing, beginning to end, say it with me, with conviction, stay on the Jesus road. One more time. Stay on the Jesus road. Amen. That's what it means. He is the way. We need to stay on it in every area of our lives. What is it going to look like? What is it going to look like? When we're on the Jesus road, you have always got a clear signal to the throne room of God. No, no bars, no drop calls, no call waiting, nobody hitting that button. Uh, you know that button I'm talking about. Then they don't want to talk to you. 
And we see it in 1 Timothy 2.5. Here we go. For there is one God and there is one mediator, one go-between. Between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. When we walk on that road, the mediator, the go-between, he is there, your signal is strong and clear, and that means we have to do what? Say it with me. Stay on the Jesus road. When we're on the Jesus road, there is no condemnation. No condemnation. Romans 8.1, one of my favorite verses. Why? Because there are so many grounds on which I could be condemned by myself, by the enemy, by God himself. But he says this to me. He says this to you. There is now, therefore now, say it with me, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who are on the Jesus road, none of your past failures, none of your past sins, none of what you've done, haven't done, should have done, would have done, screwed up, messed up, anything. That does not define you. There is not somebody there to shake a stick at you and beat you. Jesus is carrying a stick, but it's not to beat you with. It's to set you free with. And there is no condemnation. Your label is not addict. Your label is not whore. Your label is not trash. Your label is not stupidity. Your label is not thief. Your label is not lazy. Your label is child of God. And there can be no one to bring a charge against you on the Jesus road. And that's why we need to do what? Stay on the Jesus road. No condemnation. Clear signal to God. Stay on it. You'll notice that this Jesus road whines. And I can hear, I can hear that fictional fundamentalist lady saying, my Jesus road doesn't wind. It goes straight to the cross. Just a straight arrow right to the cross. My Jesus road just goes from my house to my church to my hair appointment to make it big. Bigger the hair to closer to God. And occasionally to the city market to buy my laxative. Now, and I say, she said, well, isn't the Jesus road just go straight to the cross? And I say, in one way, yes. When he chose to be born in backwater Bethlehem and grow up in, in the armpit of Nazareth, where they say, can any good thing come out of there? Yes, his spiritual GPS was set on the cross. However, if you read the scriptures, if you follow the life of Jesus, he wove and, and wound his path into places where the church leaders and no respectable citizen would go. He sought out the unclean. He sought out the rejects. He sought out the outcasts. He was hanging out at Pizza Mountain. Okay? With people who are loved. He loved people. He loved people. He went to the places people would go. He hung out. Look, his apostles, he got a bunch of seminary rejects, a lot of them blue-collar guys whose best friends were fish or white-collar criminals, and he built his church on this. And what do we in the church do? Oh, we want to be all scrubbed up and perfect. You got to behave before you come here. No! you got to be before you come in here. Then you get loved. Then you believe. Then maybe you behave. We're still working on that. Most of the church says you got to behave before you get in here. Why? 
If you're not walking to Jesus' road, at least they're walking consistent with the road they're on. They're acting like they don't believe in God. That's consistent. Here's where it's inconsistent. We're saying we're walking to Jesus' road. We're living like everybody else that don't walk on the Jesus road. That's what's messed up. So you don't have to behave before you get in here. I don't even care if you shower. Man, if you're strung out, come on in. You're hungover, come on in. These are the people Jesus cared most about. They're the people we need to care most about. Jesus reaches the unreachable when we walk on the Jesus road. Who is that one person in your life? Could be a family member, could be a friend, could be a cousin. You would say, they will never come to Jesus Christ. Don't bet on it. You start praying for them. You don't tire of praying for them. You start speaking life into them. You start loving on them like Jesus loves on them. And you're going to watch. They're going to come. They're going to come in Jesus' name. And we're going to keep doing this until the whole city believes. Until the whole campus is converted. Because Jesus owns it all. And people can't get all that he has, he has blessed them for, created them for, unless they're on this road. That's why we're doing it. So somebody, one of the questions, I promised we'd answer some questions. I said, how do you talk to somebody who is on that road and you're on this road? How do you talk to somebody? Somebody came into my office, came into my office and said, you know, Tom, because that's my name. Um, people are not responding when I say to them, you know, you're a sinner bound for hell and in need of a savior. I'm saying, well, let me give you this some thought. It's a little like walking up to me and saying, hey, fatty, you ever thought about eating a salad with no dressing so you can live long enough to walk your daughter down the aisle? I'm not going to listen to you either. In fact, if I see you coming, I'm going to run away. It's either that or give you a fat lip. There's a reason why it's called the good news. It's because it's good. The good news does not start with the word hell. How do you talk to somebody who's not on this road? You find out where they're at. You take a look at the way Paul did it. I won't, we don't have time to go there. But in Acts 17, he's in Mars Hill. Now, Paul raised up an uptight, as uptight as you can get Jew. Now, one thing that Jews had dialed in is you don't have other gods. You do not have other gods. You pull a lot of stuff. You cut body parts off. You cannot eat bacon all, but you do not have other gods. He walks into this city. There's idols all over the place. They got dozens of gods. Oh, you know, he's like flinching. What does he say? What does he say? You idolaters, you're all going to hell. You need Jesus. Okay, you won't listen to me. I'm gone. No. He says... I can see that y'all are very spiritual. (laughs) He connects with them where they are. Right? Every time you hear a friend say, yeah, well, I'm sending out this good energy to the universe. Really? Well, it's neat that you have some spiritual beliefs. Tell me about them. Well, the universe is this and What if the universe had a name? Would that be cool? Connect with people. Affirm. Don't be insulting. Don't call me fatty. That wasn't nice. I don't know why y'all did that. That's how you stay on the Jesus road. Okay, that was a little bit of a distraction. Matthew 7, 13. We're going to get you out of here. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Here we go. Is everybody going to take it? 
Well, here's what Jesus said. Matthew 7, 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. That Jesus wrote is hard. That leads to life. And those who find it are few. And I believe that Jesus said this with heartbreak and heartache. Why? Why? Because he paid the ransom for everybody. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 2 Peter 3.9 says this. Why do I think he had an ache in his heart when he said that few would, would come off their road and join the Jesus road? Verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness. This is his return, right? He is patient toward you. He is waiting, not wishing that who should perish. Not wishing that any should perish. But how many? But all should reach repentance. That all, all would come onto this Jesus road. So our job as missionaries, as people of God, as the sent ones is just starting. It is largely unfinished because few have found it. And he wants many. He wants all. He does not want anyone to end in death. So what do we need to do? Say it with me. Come on, you know the words. Stay on the Jesus road. Not only because your life and your eternity is depending on it, because others are depending on it too. Why do we do that? Because we love people. Why do we do that? Because we love people. And we want the best for them. Here's what we want for them. Here's what's on the Jesus road. Romans 15, 13, and then we'll get ready to close. May the God of hope, get this, this is on the road. Why wouldn't you want to be here? The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope while the way is hard. It is overwhelming with joy and peace and power and hope and we share this with people because we love them and they want these things in fact in God's mercy in God's love he has woven into our DNA the need the desire for joy and peace and power of his spirit and love so when we share with them we're actually bringing them a tremendous blessing and so what do we do we stay on there we go stay on the Jesus road It is red. It is red with his blood. Because it cost him his life to buy us this life. It is red with the blood of the martyrs who understood what what scripture said. They understood Psalm 63.3 that God's steadfast love is better than life. And my lips will ever praise you. This is the martyr's heart. Your love, me walking the Jesus road, being in the center of your love for me is better than life. Because here was the choice that the martyrs got. Something like this. You can stay on the Jesus road. You can be in the center of God's love. But we are going to strip everything, your possessions, your family, your friends. We're going to strip the meat off your bones until you suffer so much that you die. You know how long it took them to decide? No question. No question. You can take my life. You can take my life. But being on the Jesus road, being in the center of his love, you can't change anything. 
You can't take that. That is far more valuable. You say, well, that's not the choice that's before us. No, it's not. It takes much less for us to be coaxed off the Jesus road. Some of us, some of us say, oh, you can be on the Jesus road and be in the center of God's love or you can party like a rock star, sleep with your girlfriend and watch porn. And we go, uh, how long do I have to decide? I don't know if that's what hangs you up or gets you to hop off onto another road, but whatever it is, the martyrs knew that his love, his road is better than life. We need to cry out the martyrs cry. Those on the Jesus road say, Lord, you can heal me or not heal me. You can deliver me or not deliver me. You can change my circumstances or not change my circumstances. And I can go. I can get through as long as I know you're with me. That's the heart of the Jesus road. It doesn't matter what life deals me. It doesn't matter what life deals me. Cancer, disease, suffering, broken heart, financial ruin, relationships and family falling apart, being infertile, being bankrupt, having a child die, a spouse die, losing a job, being lonely even in the midst of a crowd, being depressed when your, en- when your friends treat you like enemies, when people at your work can't, can't treat you like a human being, when something that you thought was supposed to come in your life a long time ago still hasn't shown up. Lord, I can go through this. I can endure this as long as you choose, as long as I know you're with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? For thou art with me. The people who tell you that everything works out rosy on this road, God bless them, but they're lying to you. They're lying to you. You will know pain. You will know suffering. You will know heartache and heartbreak. But you won't know it alone. I can promise you nothing on this road except all that Jesus is and all that Jesus wants for you. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are. Some of you are on this road. Some of you started on this road but got coaxed off. It really doesn't matter. God's grace is bigger than what you got off the road for. Some of you have never been on the road. For all of us, all of us right here, right now, we're driving and there's an entrance ramp. And I ask you, turn on the blinker of your heart and take it. It is the way. It is the truth. It is life. Let's go. Let's go. Let's pray. God, man, the detours I have taken. 
because I believed the lie of Satan, Lord, that there was somehow life apart from this road, that you had me on this road to keep something good from me. When you said you would withhold nothing good from those who walk uprightly. Lord, let me not believe the lie of Satan that he told Eve that somehow you were holding something back, something good for us. That's been the root of most of my sin. Trying to find joy, trying to find life outside of your will and believing it exists there. You call us onto the road so that you can hold nothing back. I want to come back. I believe there are a lot of brothers and sisters who are tired of doing circles or hopping on and hopping off. Lord, we want to walk. We want to walk the road because we want to walk with you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you want to take that ramp because you hopped off or you want to get out of the cul-de-sac and stop doing circles. I ask you to raise your hand to God. I'll pray with you as I pray for myself. God bless you. God bless you. Be bold. Come on. Amen. Yeah. We got hands going up. We'll pray for you. Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Fill the hearts of your people. Lord, redeem us. Forgive us. Bring us back. Thank you for the direction. Thank you for being the road. Thank you for being the journey. Thank you for being the way. We want to take it right now and forevermore. Forgive us for having ever doubted that everything we need is along that road. Some of you still praying are, you're driving a highway that you have paved with all the best intentions. This is the plan for your life, but you've realized that it's not God's plan for your life. You're on a different road. And you want to take the road that leads to life here and now and for all eternity. You want to take that ramp for the very first time. If that's you and God is speaking to your heart, I ask you to raise your hand to God. I ask you to just raise it up. He will put you on that road. God bless you back there in the back. I see you. I'll pray with you. Is there anybody else? I've been riding my own road but I believe what the Bible says that that's going to end in death, death of my relationships, death of my heart, death. God bless you. God bless you, man. I want life. I want, I want what you've called me to. Lord, I can't pay the toll for this road, but you already have, and I want it. Is there anybody else? Okay. Make this your prayer. Lord, thank you for being the road. Thank you for making a way where there was no way. Thank you for making that way for me. Lord, take me from the road that I've been on of my own making, of my own plans that leads to frustration and, and, and despondency and death and put me on your road because I want to walk with your people and you and follow your ways. Forgive me for having turned off. God, my own way. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins as my substitute so that I could be free to walk the road with you.
and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.